New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. This is Lisa Davis and Andrea Donsky. We are back together again. So glad you're listening. Woohoo to the Naturally Savvy podcast. Now, today we're going to be talking about something that I think is so important. So many of us have trauma in our lives, and it can really affect us uh, as adults. And I've, I've had that myself. I see that in people that I love. And if we can transform this somehow, what power that would give and how that would help us. So we are thrilled to have the wonderful Liz Crocker. We're going to be talking about her book, Transforming Memory, Sharing Spontaneous Writing Using Loaded Words. Hello, Liz. Welcome to Naturally Savvy. Oh, hi. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be with you. You know, it's so nice to have you on. I used to do, when I was in college, I used to do so much free writing. I mostly just kind of wrote about day-to-day stuff and the crush I had or a guy I was seeing or a girl that I had an issue with, whatever it was. But I never really used it the way you talk about. And I think it would have helped me tremendously. So talk to us. When you talk about writing about trauma, are we sharing the events? Are we processing it? Give us some examples. Tell us about this. Well, I think it's kind of all of the above. You know, when we... When we write about trauma, we might be trying to sort out the chaos in our minds. We might be just describing the facts so we can have them and record them. Or sometimes writing, when it, in its most powerful way, I think is a it's a pathway to get from words and facts into feelings about what has happened. So the fact that you were writing in your journal about boyfriend and crush and goodness knows what else was really a very <laughs> healthy thing to be doing. You know, oh, I was good. just going to say, yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what is the difference between journaling and then really working through those traumatic, traumatic events? Well, you know, I, I don't pretend to be an expert on journaling or having an insight into your journals, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, when I kept a diary when I was in college, it was it really was kind of boyfriend-ish and whether I liked a professor or hated a professor. Um, but uh, I know that some people will use journaling not just for the activities or emotions of the day, but they will really dig deep, if you will, and go into, a, you know, this happened today, I'm feeling really horrible about it, I don't understand it. It's almost like you're trying to have a conversation with the deeper you, and mm-hmm. that is a really fabulous processing function. And to the title of the book, I would say it is a transforming process. See, that's huge. You know, today we're going to be focusing on six tips to healing trauma through spontaneous writing. And the first one is sit down and write. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> well, exactly. And a lot of people resist that uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes people don't want to admit to the page even you know mm. there's a there is a phenomenon that if you don't speak it out loud or you don't put it on the page maybe it isn't true it and you know that i I've, I've had that experience some people don't want to sit down to write because they think oh i can't write i don't know sentence structure i have spelling phobia but you know what if you just sit down and begin it's terrific and one of the things with the technique that we use of spontaneous writing, we're, we're just saying 10 minutes. That's it. 10 minutes, you don't even have to think about it. Pick a prompt word or a prompt question and just go for it. You know, one of the things that you talk about 
is the loaded words. That, that's part of the title, Transforming Memories, Sharing Spontaneous Writing use, Using Loaded Words. Now, I know that's number five, but I'm skipping ahead. But I'm just so curious, how does that help? And uh, what does that mean? Well, it, it means a couple of things. I had been in a writing group before I collaborated with Polly and Holly to do this book. And we used to just open a dictionary and put our finger down on a word. And, you know, whether it was tomato or raincoat, (laughs) you just had to write about that word for 10 minutes. And I learned through that exercise that, you know, if you don't think about it and you just begin and you, you don't even have necessarily an emotional connection to the word, it's still amazing that what, what will come up. So when we got together to talk about our shared bond of having grown up in an alcoholic household, we sat one day and we just said, okay, what are, what are some trigger words, rather than just randomly opening the dictionary, that, that affect us? So we just started shouting out words like shame and neglect and abandonment and guilt and so on and so forth. And then we thought, and, and we patted ourselves on the back thinking you were so clever, we said, let's not <laughs> call these clever, trigger though. words, let's call them loaded words, because loaded means heavy with feeling, but also the little metaphor for alcoholic state. Hmm. You know, on number two, you talk about overcoming your need to be perfect. Does that go back to, you know, people who are thinking, oh, I can't write or I'm not a good writer? I mean, I remember when I was journaling, because I've been doing it since I'm super small. I didn't really care. I mean, it's for myself, right? So I don't care how I write or what sense and structure or grammar I'm using. It's just to relieve my stress or relieve, you know, get it all on paper. Is that what you were referring to in number two? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people, you know, do have kind of performance anxiety, though, and they they forget that this actually can just be for you, that they Mm. don't have to share it with anybody. And even if, as it was in our group where we were sharing with each other, um, you know, we said our our intention is not necessarily, I mean, it would be cool, right? But our intention is not necessarily to write a Pulitzer Prize novel. Our intention is to get to the heart of the matter and and using writing as the pathway to get there. You know, when you mention those words, I mean, I could write about neglect. I could write about abandonment. I could, I mean, there's so many things that I could do. And I think that's so helpful because, from changing from just, you know, writing day-to-day stress, if I really want to tap into some past issues, I really think those loaded words make so much sense. Uh, And number three, you have write about events you associate with stress or trauma. And that's something that lately there's been some things on my mind from when I was growing up that I, I have been wanting to look at. And I recently shared some with a friend and I'm still kind of figuring things out. And uh, so this is great timing. I must say you're really helpful. Oh, good, good, good. And and, you know, sometimes if you have something on your mind, you may, some people might be paralyzed still with, like, I don't know even where to begin. And yes. so some of the prompts that we came up with are just simple, like, what would you title that day? What would be, who were the people involved? Just start making point form, almost a list of who was there, what time of day was it, what can you see? And those techniques start to open up your memory field. And as I said, a lot of writing is beneficial because it enables one to make sense out of something that was complex or chaotic. 
Now, what if you tap into something super heavy that maybe you didn't remember or some pretty traumatic abuse? What do you recommend in that moment if the person is feeling completely overwhelmed or scared? I'm assuming, should they reach out to somebody? Should they keep writing? What happens in that situation? Well, you know, I am I am a social person, so I think reaching out to somebody else is always great. But me that's too. me, and um, sure. I'm very blessed because I have some people with whom I feel very safe and who I trust completely. Not everybody's so lucky, but if you if you have people like that in your life, yes, I would say reach out and just say, you know, I was writing this thing and this emotion washed over me, and I just need to tell somebody about it. Do you mind listening for a minute? But if you don't have somebody you can reach out to, I would say it's almost as if we can sort of split ourselves, you know, and have a conversation with ourselves so that the the writing person who's becoming emotional can start talking to the paper, and the paper can start talking back if you if you get what I mean. You, so there's a way of reaching out even within yourself to those other selves of you. Maybe it's the child within you that's scared or the young woman or young man who is terrified by something. And one of the things I often suggest is try to give that person, that the person who's in that state who's afraid or upset, try to give them a hug and say, you know, mm. it's okay. Look at you. You're here now. You got through whatever that is. You are fabulous, and you're you're worthy of being in this world, and you're worthy of having those emotions and working through them. It's almost like paper boxing, and what I mean by that is, you know, you go to the boxing rink. Like when I, I do fit boxing, and I'm like banging, you know, if I'm angry or something, I'll let it out. But here, it's like letting it out on paper, right? It's like kind of like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Like I used to I used to play squash, <laughs> and I tell you, the squash ball had some pretty interesting names on it some days. <laughs> Exactly. You know, one of the but things it, I was but thinking it, you about... Know, is get it out and then what to do with it, you know, when you calm down and you can look at it. Uh, and sometimes once it's let out and it kind of blows off its steam, you can look at whatever the it is and say, oh, wow, look at that. That was part mm-hmm. of... What am I going to do with that now? I have some choices. I can hold on to mm-hmm. it in that state or I can try to transform it, which was the process that we tried to use. Now, do you recommend that people write down, let's say, their emotions first? Is there like a process? So, I mean, obviously, it's just free writing, and you can write whatever you want, and here's the story that happened. Or would you say, you know, start with, you know, I'm angry, I feel frustrated, you know, I'm resentful. Like, is there a way to start out with the emotions and then go into it, or just kind of, you know, just do what you got to do, whatever makes you feel best? You know what, I, I think there's no... Uh, single right answer here. I mean, some people are very in touch with their emotions. And so if you know that you're mad or if you know that you're frustrated or if you know that you're sad, sure, start there and then kind of uh, dig into it and see where that's coming from. And as I said, try to make sense out of that, that strong emotion. But some people don't have connections to their emotions. One of the mm-hmm. one of the expressions that we use in the book is understanding the difference between being able to talk about something and being able to feel about it. And so for the three of us, there were some events in our lives that we could um, almost dispassionately describe 
as what happened to us. And so for us, we had to start with the facts uh, in many cases and then uh, kind of peeling back the layers of the onion to get to the emotion. So what I, I guess the answer really is all, all possibilities are good. You know, I love what you just said, because for when I, I went to therapy for years, and I always kind of felt like I could talk above what happened. I mean, there's some super traumatic thing. And I'm just like, la di da. And I, it kind of made me it reminded me of that where you can talk about it, but you're not really feeling it. And to get into the feelings, I think is where the healing is going to come from. Oh, well, exactly. And, and one of the three of us, I don't have to necessarily name her, but one of the three, she went to her therapist one day and she called up and she said, I need to see you and do not let me talk. I need to get <laughs> stuff out. And so when she got there, she was handed a tennis racket and a very big pillow and uh, invited to just kind of go at it. That's and good. And that's what she needed. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, I'm a I'm a sort of verbal person, so I can I can talk my way, I can pretzel my way through almost anything. And <laughs> this process of of working with these loaded words and just writing authentically without forethought, hear what I'm saying, forethought, really did enable me to get to the emotional realm of myself, and I would go, oh my, oh my. I didn't know you were in there. <laughs> At what age do you suggest people do this exercise? Um, Starting forever, like, I mean, always. Like, <laughs> no, but no more just like, you know, what age do they start? Like if our toddlers, obviously, you know, they're drawing first, but this would be good for someone 10 and up. Like what's in your, you know, your opinion? Yeah. You know what? I, I think, um, I think it's great for even young kids. I have a four-year-old grandson and he, he can tell me if he's frustrated, and sometimes he will go punch his little foam Oscar chair because um, he knows <laughs> that that's safe and that's okay. So I think having having language and tools, even at a young age, to honor your emotions is terrific. Having said that, so I'm I'm really sort of saying, yeah, always. Having said that, I think um, I. And, and this is just my view, but I think it's as one gets into, say, mid-20s and on, uh, there is the added advantage of some maturity and some possibility for reflection that, uh, in my case, I don't think I had when I was a teenager or in my early 20s. I was still in the kind of immediate gratification stage of my life and, you know, focused on, as, as we said earlier, boyfriend and stuff. But it, as I got a little older, I had uh, the inclination, and, and I call it maturity, that's kind of self-complimenting and maybe not appropriate, but <laughs> uh, it wasn't until later that I could really start to say, oh yeah, that happened, and I dealt with it that way that's become a habitual pattern. Look at me now. I've brought that into adulthood. Do I like it or do I want to try to change it? 
Oh, that's huge. You know, we're, we're almost out of time, Liz. You're fabulous. I want to go over the six. We didn't get to all of them. The first one is sit down and write. Second is overcome your need to be perfect. The third is write about events you associate with stress or trauma. Number four, write continuously for a short period of time. Five, use loaded words. I'm glad I asked about that earlier because I think that's so important. And phrases as writing prompts. And six, establish a ritual around writing. You know, I always say that to people, too, where they say, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to deep breathe. You know, well, you have to put it into your schedule. And this is something that needs to be put into your schedule as well. Liz, before we let you go, is there anything that you, uh, any final words? Well, I just, I just, you know, we all hoped with this book that this book would provide comfort to people who had experienced any form of difficult childhood. And we hope mm-hmm. that our example of sharing our writing would inspire people to uh, feel that they could try it too and that it's okay. So that's, that's my wish. And you guys have been so great to profile this. Thanks. You know, one of the things before we do end is when it comes to trauma or being stressed, what happens, and we're going to thank our sponsor now because without our sponsors, we don't have a show and natural calm is magnesium. And when we are under stress, we deplete magnesium from our body and it's important for so many functions in our body. So, Liz, we're going to end the show with a big thanks to our sponsor, Natural Calm. And uh, for those of you who are feeling super stressed or just feel that, you know, you get those eye twitches or those muscle sorenesses or spasms, that magnesium is definitely important and the way to go to help uh, put it back into our body. So you can visit naturalvitality.com. And we want to thank Natural Calm for being a sponsor for today's show. Thank you for being on our show today. I'm Andrew Donsky along with Lisa Davis. You're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrew Donsky, at Radio MD, and at Health Media Gal One. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.